Yo, welcome to another episode of Press Play with Augie and Riz. I'm Augie. Hey, and I'm Riz. This is a weekly podcast where we, two guys recording a podcast, discuss movies, TV shows, music, anything we think you guys might like to listen to. Subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram at PressPlayAR. That's Instagram PressPlayAR. On today's show, we're going to go over some of our favorite Disney animated films of the 1990s and real-life movie locations that you can visit. This episode, like all of them, comes with a side order of Six Degrees of Separation and our Fact of the Week. I'll take that side order, but first, quick news. Oh my god, guys. It is finally happening. Um, what, Augie? <laughs> After 20 years, friends are coming together again. At not 20 years. I mean, 17. They, the show ended in 2003, and I got really excited for about 30 seconds uh, because they announced that the friends are going to be uh, returning together for the first time, which isn't the first time. And since the finale, and I'm like, oh my gosh, they're gonna do a reunion special uh, with all the characters coming back, and it's it's just gonna be like an interview thing. So, who cares if I'm gonna be honest? On HBO. On HBO. On HBO Max. The. Uh, oh, that's what it's going to be like. There, it's um, it's basically launching HBO. Their HBO's um. Uh, what do you call it? Streaming service. Streaming service. So they're gonna have every episode of Friends ever, and they they got the cast together to do some sort of reunion special, but like interviews and shit. Nothing. They like the actual characters aren't coming back, which I thought maybe for a second, but no, it would have been cool. As you can tell by my sarcastic tone at the beginning, I. I'm not a fan of Friends because I never watched it or, you know, it was during my time, but growing up in Miami and seeing these six white kids in New York, like, I felt like there was nothing I can relate to. And I'm sure it's funny and I've looked back and I try to connect with it, but honestly, it's like a group of friends in high school that you don't, you don't hang out with, but you know, that's like their clique. It was, uh, no, I was into Friends. It was, it was a good show. It probably should have ended three years before it did. Mm-hmm. I think, like, I, I rewatched it last year I, uh, on Netflix. I just decided to rewatch the whole thing from beginning to end over several months. And it, it held up until I would say it, it should have ended after Monica and Chandler's wedding. And then oh. it, it just got fucking crazy. They they did a a weird romance between Joey and Rachel, which they never they never really committed to. Like they started it, and I, I I didn't really like it, but they never gave it a chance, anyways. Like regardless, did the audience had a positive uh, feedback with that romance? See, and that's that's another thing. Like they should. They should have committed to it to allow the audience. I don't like when the audience dictates what they put on. Even though I didn't like it, I hell, see. I could I could have grown to like it. But 
you know, doing a sort of start and then complete stop and then have Joey sort of accidentally propose to her after she had a baby. The the last few seasons were really fucking stupid. I'm going to be honest. Um, But it's, you know, they they kept, like, I want to say that the season that ended with Monica and Chandler getting engaged that was supposed to be like that was down to the wire that they were negotiating with with the cast to come back and they signed two more seasons and then that came to like as that was coming to an end uh NBC was like one more one more one more and I I mentioned before that they did one last like 16 episode season yeah where they were banking I mean, they they did bring in Paul Rudd as Phoebe's love interest and eventual husband, which which was positive. But there was a lot less of of the recurring characters, like Monica and Chandler's parents and uh, Ross's ex wife and her wife. Yeah. Um. Uh. But the like I said, the first six or seven seasons are fantastic, and uh, I, and the whole reunion is like eh who cares i thought it was like an episode reunion not i wish a sit down and interview reunion i wish i you know that's why i was so excited at first and I then mean, i'm like i mean they they literally all got together last year except for matthew perry who did like a video message you know it's that's when, that's pretty unimpressive especially for me who doesn't like friends yeah oh well i'm over it <laughs> i guess all right so The next thing I want to talk about is a theory that I have for. Sorry. Vroom, vroom. (laughs) Miami Biker Boys. So I have a theory for the show, The Good Place. Um, We've talked about it before. We talked about the finale. And after talking about the finale in our last podcast, uh, it made me think more. About it, I was actually thinking about it as I was editing it, and then I myself came up with this theory. You had an aha moment, as Oprah would say. Yeah, yes, an aha. Oh my god, inspirational. Okay, so this is my theory. As you know, at the end of the show, they realize that you know they are going to the good place. Spoiler alert: uh, Chidi, Eleanor. On all, you know, the main cast and the real good place, yeah, we should say the real good pl- place. Because prior to all that, it was a bad place and it was a trial and tribulation for a bunch of time. So they came up with this um, mechanism where when someone dies, you don't go to a good place or a bad place. You go into like this intermediate in a like town where uh, you get, you know, Judged whether you should go to the good place or the bad place. If I'm going off, no, that that's that's correct. Okay, so in the last episode of the good place, Eleanor mentions hell as the bad place, but the show never mentions heaven. It only mentions the good place. So then it made me think, like maybe throughout. All eternity, even when they thought they were going to heaven, they were actually still in the bad place. And then the only absolution that they had was their 
decision to end it themselves. Okay, that's interesting. So even though they they went to what was considered, I mean, the whole thing about you know the good place that that's a metaphor for for heaven. They just didn't want to, I guess, continue saying that. But that's an interesting and creepy ass theory that they were still in in some sort of bad place because it wasn't perfect because you eventually get bored you know yeah and you turn like like phoebe turned into a zombie yeah she and then that's when she explained like yes this is a good place but now we have time it's infinite it's not perfect ride a jet ski every day and eventually you'll get tired and they just zombied out so that was technically the good place I don't, you know, if I was if I was able to be around uh, dogs every day and a new dog every day for eternity, I think I'd be okay. Eternity? No, I guess it would get boring. It's like, come on, how many how many different ways can you can you wolf? And how many species of dogs are there? You're bound to. I don't know. Like again. maybe a, a a weird thing where you're you can erase your memory. And just keep reliving stuff over and over again. And but then there would be like a so you, you would be doing it yourself, and you could keep track. You know, it wouldn't be like, um, I don't know. So it's like a second point of view, like yeah, I don't know. Well, that's my theory. That's all I wanted to say. If you guys want think you, it can be debunked or have a theory of the good place, whether they really are in heaven at the end of the season or really in hell. Um, because again, she never, or they never mention heaven, the word as that's the good place, but whatever. Awesome show. If you guys haven't seen it, I'm sorry. I spoiled it to you for you, but check it out. Great. Awesome. So uh, we actually have a correction from, I think it was last week's episode or maybe the weeks before, where we said that uh, we quoted a movie. The quote is, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. It was our Valentine's countdown, and that was the number one, Casablanca, where oh. I said that quote was from, frankly, my dear, I, don't, right. give a, my, I don't give a damn. That's right. So uh, my brother, who who faithfully listens to our podcast, corrected me yesterday. Thanks for listening. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And he's like, it's not from Casablanca. He's like, I'm, I was pulling my hair out and shouting at the speaker. <laughs> that it's not from Casablanca. Uh, what was it from? Uh it was from Medea, Diary of a Mad Black Woman. Uh, babe, no, no, it, it's it's from my brother's favorite movie, Rocky. Right? Oh, oh my God, that's right. Yeah, that's when he he was at the twenty eighth step. Yeah, you know, and I, it's not my dear. It's frankly, Adrian. I don't give a damn. <laughs> right? That's it. That's right, Nick. During his nineteen eighties <laughs> montage of of training. <laughs> No, it's 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 actually from Gone with the Wind, which, you know, one of these days I'm going to sit down and watch. Uh, yeah. But it is one of the most famous quotes ever that we uh, misquoted. Great. This is a wonderful misquote uh, coming from a podcast about movies and music and TV. You know, it happens. Yeah. So, sorry. Sue us. <laughs> and it's perfect that we, Adrian! We, we talked about this or we're talking about this now because I have been trying to uh, research and learn more about someone special that I want to dedicate 
this episode for, especially now that it's uh, Black History Month. And uh, this person that I want to to dedicate this episode to or rededicate this uh, episode to is to Hattie McDaniel. Uh, she was the first African-American actress to win an Academy Award in 1940. And she has worked with the likes of Shirley Temple, Mae West, and Lionel Barrymore. That Barrymore. Yeah. McDaniel moved to Los Angeles when she could not get film work. She took jobs as a maid or a cook. Her brother Sam was working on a KNX radio program, The Optimistic Do Nut Hour, and was able to get his sister a spot. She performed on radio as Hi-Hat Hattie, a bossy maid who often quote-unquote forgets her place. She, I know. Her show became popular and her salary was still so low that she still had to continue working as a maid. And that's what she was known for, was that stereotypical maid who got out of line so they can get that, oh, you. Um, yeah, yeah. I and, understand. you know, in fact, in 1935, McDaniel had prominent roles as a maid in Alice Adams' RKO picture, a comic part as Jean Harlow's maid and traveling companion in China Sea. That's where she worked with Clark Gable for the first time. Wow. Now, here's uh, another thing. She was up for the role of Gone with the Wind, and Eleanor Roosevelt actually suggested that she that her maid played. And there were rumors that Clark Gable suggested Hattie McDaniel to get the role as Mammy in Gone with the Wind. So I'm not sure if that's true or not, but that huh. was the... Is that what... Is that... Um, did she get that role? Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I don't think... Um, Eleanor Roosevelt's maid was uh, a SAG member, so I don't think that would have worked out for her. <laughs> and uh, she also worked as Maid Isabella in Murder by Television with Bella Lugosi, a.k.a. the original Dracula. And she also appeared in the 1938 film Vivacious Lady starting, starring James Stewart and Ginger Rogers. On the 12th Annual Academy Award, that was February 29th, 1940, she arrived with her hair adorned in Gardenia, where she was nominated for Best Supporting Actress in Gone with the Wind, as I said, as Mammy. It was still a time where that building where they were hosting the Academy Award couldn't allow African-American people, but they allowed her out out of respect. And her acceptance speech was was I liked it, and it goes like this, I quote, Academy of Motion Pictures Arts and Science, fellow members of the motion pictures industry, and honored guest. This is one of the happiest moments of my life, and I want to thank each one of you who had part in selecting me for one of their awards. For your kindness, it has made me feel very, very humble, and I shall always hold it as a beacon for anything that I may be able to do in the future. I sincerely hope I shall always be a credit to my race and to the motion picture industry. My heart is full to tell you just how I feel. And may I say thank you and God bless you. Which I thought, think that's very beautiful. Yeah. She, at this time when she won the Academy Award, she became a household name. And, but still received a lot of flack from her community and about uh, still taking roles as maid and becoming stereotypical. When reporters asked about that, uh, one of her comments, which is an iconic quote that said, I'd rather make $700 a week playing a maid than $7 a day being one. Mm. 
Uh, she continued her career in film and radio after the Oscar. She also has two Hollywood Walk of Fame stars for her contribution in both fields in entertainment, which are radio and film. Unfortunately, she passed away in 1957 due to breast cancer and is buried in Angelus Rosedale, Rosedale Cemetery. To this day, her Oscar is nowhere to be found. Hmm. Yeah. Some speculation uh, is that it disappeared due to an anti-civil rights protest in the 1960s and was thrown into the Potomac River. Okay. But in November 2011, W.B. Carter of the George Washington University Law School published the results of her year and a half-long investigation into the Oscars' fate. Carter rejected the claims that students had stolen the Oscar and thrown it into the river as a wild speculation or fabrication that traded on long-perpetuated stereotypes for blacks. She questioned the sourcing of the Huffington Post story instead. She argued that the Oscar had likely been returned to Howard University, Channing Pollock Theater Collection, between spring of 1971 and summer of 1973. Or had probably been boxed and stored in the drama department. Hmm. So basically, it's somewhere in tucked a box, away yeah. in a box and no one can find it. All right. Uh, she ha- has been a beacon to to actors and actresses after her. In fact, when Monique was nominated for her uh, role in in Precious, she wore her hair adorning Gardenia in honor wow. of Hattie McDaniel, and she won it. Oh, that's beautiful. So if wherever she is in the universe, this episode is dedicated to you, Miss McDaniels, and... Uh, we appreciate what you have done for for the movie industry of today. Anything you want to add? Uh, no, that's that's quite a beautiful story. Um, it's you know the it, it's amazing how far we've come and how not so far we've come because you know there was one actress nominated out of out of all of the major or all the the categories this year one african-american actress and it it it's still a very let's be honest racist organization absolutely yeah and until until you know the actual members of the academy reflect the population it will never get any better and they they have been they have been trying to but they have they still have a long way to go. They need to you know add more more people of color to to their to the academy. Oh yeah, it's a, I want to reiterate what you said. We've we've come so far, but we've learned so little. Yeah, and yeah. that's the the issue with, with and it. and I'm gonna be honest. Since I was a kid, it's literally it's happened over and over and over again where. You know, people complain and complain that there aren't enough people of color being nominated. And then the following year, there'll be like four or five out of nowhere. And then the following year, it's back to zero or one. Mm -hmm, And then mm -hmm. it it builds up again. And it's happened three or four times in my lifetime that I can remember. Um, But like I said, they need to change, change the 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 makeup of the academy to match the population oh yeah absolutely i totally agree with you on that and uh 
her her story is absolutely amazing and and interesting and i think that what she did was was groundbreaking yeah all right so we're gonna go ahead and take a quick break and we'll be back with our favorite disney movies of the 90s and uh actual movie locations that you can visit Okay, we are back. I just had one of Riz's cupcake during the break. It's pretty uh, tough to live in a house that a baker lives. I enjoy baking. Uh, you actually were given like randomly a bag of apples at work. And you're like, do something with this. <laughs> and I did. You I made an apple cobbler. I made an apple cobbler and I did like a cinnamon apple thing with the remaining apples. I, I used them all. You're awesome, babe. Thank you. So the next thing we want to talk about is the some of the 90s uh, Disney movies that we like. And we decided to, you know, do a top 10 or top 11. Top 11 for you and top 9 for me. Well, well, I mean, there were exactly 11 animated movies, so I guess they're just in order for me. And clarification, this is handwritten animation. That's why you are not going to hear um, movies like Toy Story that came out, I think, in 1995. Um, No Disney Pixar movies. Or Disney Pixar, correct. Uh, Yeah. So since you have 11, start off with your uh, top. Sure. 11. Um. All right. Well, ranked number eleven was a movie I don't really remember, but I do remember watching. Uh, the spinoff of the Goof Troop movie, a Goofy movie where uh they went on a road trip. We have to all see I can that. Remember? I, I'm wow. I'm really surprised that that's number eleven. Out of eleven. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And number... I mean, I don't remember it, so I'm, I'm just being... Uh, a number 10 was Tarzan, which okay. was after my time. Uh, it was I think it came out after Mulan, which was you know just the end of my Disney obsessions. Okay. So uh, it, it didn't have any uh, music other than a weird... You'll be... Oh, I mean, yeah, it was all Phil Collins songs like going on in the background is what i mean like they, what they weren't like singing i wanted to hear hercules sing i mean um uh, tarzan tarzan dude. sing tarzan sing what about what uh okay so what um my number nine is tarzan um the reason why i ranked it so high is because it didn't have a musical oh numbers and stuff like so like you uh rank so low right or rank so low sorry i mean you know it's it's high but it's you know really low yeah uh that's what i meant actually what about what's your number nine number nine for me uh was actually mulan um it it did have those big musical numbers uh i don't know i guess i i was in high school when it came out and i just I, I felt like I should be mature and not not go see the Rolling Disney animated movie so hard in theaters. I, you know, too and cool for Milan. I, I I just I just never really got into it. I know. Let's go watch Ghostbusters. Uh, you have your decades way off. Or when you think I was in high school. How old do you think I am? So what's the next number? 
Uh, number eight, uh, The Lion King for me. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And you don't, you don't have anything to say about that? Uh, I think the reason why I have it number eight because it kind of left me a sour taste with the CGI movie uh, type. And oh. it's one of those, I guess for me, I've seen it so many times that it, I don't know, like... Number eight. <laughs> oh, okay. What about you? Number eight for me was uh, Rescuers Down Under. Uh, again, I yeah, I, I I never remember watching the first one, The Rescuers, but I I remember really 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 liking it. But I don't remember much about it. I remember, I just remember it being a really fun movie, and I think uh, I just remember like them riding on a crow or something, or or. Whatever, like, the Australian version of a crow is. A crow. I don't have... <laughs> <laughs> I don't have the movie on my list because I didn't think that a movie from a sequel from the 80s should be in, in it. I was thinking more originality. But he... What was your point? It's animated. And... It was released in the theater. It's, it's better than the original. Yeah. Well, yeah, that one definitely was. Um... But I, you know, I based the list off of uh, like anything that was released in the actual theater. So you know, sorry, Return of Jafar, but you're not going to be on this list. Ah, okay. So number uh, seven, your go. Uh, Hercules, Hercules. Uh, and again, theme. All the lower ones were after my time, and the only thing I remember about that movie. Uh, the best part was when, like, all Hades brought all these the titans, the titans up, and he's like, "Go, go, attack the city!" And then they they start walking off, and he's like, "Wait, it's that way!" And they're like, "Oh, huh." And I just remember like <laughs> laughing really hard at that. My number seven is Aladdin. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, I'm not not. I like the song. I like uh, the whole thing. I'm not sure. You know what song I don't like from it? Uh, Never had a friend like me. And I know it's it, a very... it, it, and it was overplayed. I think uh, I think Prince Ali really was, in my opinion, the better song. And it was another Robin Williams led song. Uh, but for whatever reason, Never Had a Friend Like Me got the most got i wouldn't call it a hit because i don't think it was released on radio but it was like in all the trailers and all the uh and all the commercials well it does have that hook like hey you never had a friend like me ha point at each other and like Wah. but prince ali was like such a, I, a bigger yeah. and honestly my favorite song uh in the whole thing was uh aladdin's first song i can't remember where he's running through the uh, na, 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 yeah. Where he's running through through the marketplace. Dun, dun. Dun, 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 yes, dun, dun, yes. Dun, it's dun, it's such dun. a cool song. Yeah. Uh your number six. Uh my number six was actually the duck mail duck uh, duck ducktail duck well <laughs> ducktails movie. Uh again, I don't I, I just remember really liking it as a kid and I really liked the show. And I can't honestly can't. I think I get a lot of it mixed up with, with the Chippendale movie. No, 
No, I'm sorry, not the Chippendale movie. Uh, Chipmunks movie where they're flying around in the uh, hot air balloons. Such no a good idea. movie. You've never seen it. We have to watch it. In fact, I didn't even know Disney. that Ducktales uh, had a a theatrical release. Yeah, it was it was good, uh, but I don't remember. We'll rewatch it sometime. And the Chipmunk movie. Okay. So what's your number five? Uh, number five is Beauty and the Beast. Hmm. Uh, yep. I think it's a solid position. It was nominated for uh, Best Original Song. Um, Wasn't it nominated for Best Picture? And Best Picture. Yeah, it was. I think it was the first animated movie to be nominated for Best Picture. And I think it was well-deserved. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. For, for its time. It's it's literally beautiful from beginning to end, and that that the scene, the famous scene where they're dancing, and it's it was uh, it was before its time as far as the animation, because the uh, the the chandeliers and how the the quote unquote camera goes around, around them. It. it was it's gorgeous, and how it like wrapped around the room like that, and come- yeah. Yeah, that was uh, beautiful. Yeah, well, you know, it makes you forget about all the bestiality stuff. Oh, yeah, of all course. All right, so number five for me. But no gays. No. Uh, Pocahontas was number five for me. Mm. Um, it's honestly, I'm looking at the list right now, and it it's, well, we'll get to that. Um, Pocahontas uh, was towards, I want to say the last or the second to last of my my Disney obsession in the nineties. Um is it, it was good. I remember seeing it uh seeing it in the theater back in the day. I love that movie. My number four? Yep. A goofy movie. Now the reason why I didn't edit this out because I already did my list and I didn't know that a goofy movie was part of a TV spin off. I thought it was an original on its own. But I still liked it because it was not like a very typical Disney theatrical movie where there's a princess princess involved or there's like, you know, it's, uh, it, it was more family orientated and it dealt with like original uh, Disney character like Goofy, you know? So yeah. I, I, that that's why for me it's at number four. Awesome. I like the title because it has two meanings. It's Goofy's name and it's a Goofy movie. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, Mind I know. exploded. <laughs> okay, go. Uh, number four for me, uh, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, which again is, is just a visually stunning movie. Uh, looking back... Give me a second because my number six is Hunchback of Notre Dame here. You didn't even mention Hunchback of I think I just skipped uh, that number. All right, so this is my number four, and this is his number six. Yes. Uh, um, and looking back, there's like there's one song that is like literally the basic tune of, I think, a song from Little Mermaid. I have to look it up. And then the beginning, like now looking at it now, they kind of rip off a few like Aladdin and stuff like that as well. I'm not surprised. Um, but it's a visually stunning movie and uh the songs are are just gorgeous. I think out of all the Disney movies, out of, out of all of, of this list, it has my favorite songs. The song out there is heartbreaking. The song uh Heaven's Light, Hell's Fire 
again, the first part's heartbreaking. The second kid shouldn't be watching that kind of movie because <laughs> it's freaking the the priest is lusting after Esmeralda in this song and like. He, holy crap! I, I, and it wasn't like one of those things where we look back and we're like, "What were they? What did they put on TV?" I remember at the time it was freaking controversy, you know. I have mine at number six because I vaguely remember we have to see it uh, soon. Uh, the only thing I can remember are the gargoyles and him going into the church and screaming out "Sanctuary." Mm-hmm. I don't remember none of the songs. I don't remember the whole plot to it. And I do obviously remember Esmeralda because she was drawn stunningly. Yeah, uh, played by Demi Moore, which today I don't wow. think would fly because... Uh, a gypsy. Uh, Esmeralda was a woman of color, wasn't yeah, she? she was a gypsy, and gypsies uh, were from Morocco and, yeah. and those type of areas. Okay, uh, uh, so your number, is it three? Yes. This where it came a little difficult for me because I had to uh, judge these three movies by uh, the animation, the theme, and the soundtrack. Damn, my, you went deep. Yeah, my number three is Hercules. Hercules, Hercules. I think Hercules has one of the best soundtrack in Disney movies. Um, Gospel Truth, Go the Distance. Uh, I won't say I'm in love. I liked the whole uh, Greek mythology of it. Obviously, it was really, really good. I really, I really liked it. It's a good movie. I remember one time I lost the VHS. I remember that VHS. My parents went with us to go see to go buy it at Circuit City, um, and then we lost it. And then we found it like a year later under a bed. And we played the shit out of that movie like eight times in a row. Damn. Yeah. I Those, those days where you would just, you would, it, like movies would never get old and you would just rewatch and rewatch and rewatch and know every word and, and act them out and yes. crazy shit like that. Yes. Uh, my number three is The Lion King. Oh, okay. Uh, fantastic movie. Uh it's a little dark. I guess that's why it's a little um, higher on my list or it didn't make the top two. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know, when Mufasa dies, it's just very depressing. Yeah. And and honestly, with the with the the remake, you, you kind of realize how, I guess, simple the story was. Like, as an adult, I realize how simple the story was because it's basically... Simba's a kid, Mufasa dies, he goes off, he comes back, and he reclaims the throne. Is basically the entire movie. Um, and it's based off of Hamlet. So, go. Everything is based off that, uh, on Hamlet. That's amazing. My number two... Where are you? Oh, my number two movie is Mulan. There you go. <laughs> there it is. Uh, I think it again, great soundtrack... Uh, great music, great meaning. I like the whole feminist thing I, uh, that Disney was doing. Well, Disney was not trying to do it. That was, uh, I guess, a true story. Or very, very loosely. I want to really point that out. Super loosely uh, based true story. Uh, but I liked it. I liked the whole thing that this one girl saved her whole entire country where 
in a time that, you know, they really didn't give girls the chance to even be somebody. You have songs like You'll Bring Honor to Us All, A Girl Worth Fighting For, and I'll Make a Man Out of You, which was a good uh, song at the time because he was, or Milan was trying to uh, disguise herself. Yeah. I I I liked it. Um, uh, and I think that's that's what I think is the major plot for this remake of Mulan, uh, because the whole purpose of doing this is to bring honor to her dad and to her family, and to save China per- majorly. Well, I don't even think like her mind was to protect China, but it was you know this this pride that she had to protect of her father. Yeah, because they, they needed a, a man from every family and, and they didn't have a, a son. So her father volunteered. But um, he couldn't. So, you know, but great. I, I'm, I'm anxious to rewatch it and to see the live action version. I understand that the live action will not have the songs. And I'm okay with it. I'm indifferent. Um... I do remember uh, Once Upon a Time, Mulan was gay, which I liked. In Once Upon a Time, yeah. On the, Dis- on the Disney uh, ABC show. Um, Once and, Upon a Time. And even though, you know, inclusion, yes, but all the gay characters on that show were lesbian. You know, there were no male gay characters. And Mulan didn't really have a happy ending. Basically, she was going to tell princess aurora that she was in love with her and you know she's like oh i'm pregnant and marrying prince <laughs> eric or whatever whatever his name was i'm going off track but it, it kind of pissed me off and then <laughs> i stopped watching the last season but i found out later that alice from alice in wonderland was also gay and what another lesbian couple they couldn't whatever go what's uh, your number two I, it's it's Mulan. So what's your number two? Aladdin. Gotta keep. Blah, 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 da, da, da. Uh, it's a fantastic movie. And the dearly departed Robin Williams is amazing in it. And uh, again, looking back, it's it's a pretty good story, you know, from, from the beginning to end. What's your number one? I like that one time you told me. That the reason why you like Aladdin... It was, it's already on the podcast. Don't is, make me blush. I think it's cute. Uh, and people don't listen to our podcast every freaking episode. It was like... The Unless episode. your name is Nick and Cynthia. <laughs> um, is you told me that the reason why you like Aladdin a lot was because it was one of the Disney movies that really focused on on a boy prince and yeah, or he wasn't a prince at first but eventually yes, he correct. becomes a prince thank you uh correct absolutely and it wasn't a, a princess as the protagonist or a damsel in distress and th- it was like this kid like and he was a focal point and it was someone that you you kind of like looked up to i could re- i could relate, or relate to, to. A, a, a boy yes a singing boy uh, you know, maybe that, that says something, yeah. uh, but um, you're right. Um, even though I enjoyed all these movies and Aladdin isn't my number one, you know, it, it did, I was able to relate to it, a, a, a little better that there was a male, um, lead character. 
beautiful. My number one movie, if you guys don't haven't guessed already, is I forgot Pocahontas. Hey, I love the movie. I love the message. I love the freaking soundtrack. Uh, it's it's for me. It's the movie of the '90s for me. Uh, if I had to rank in the whole general Disney, I think it would be in my top three still. Oh, wow. Uh, I like the whole message of, um, you know, there's not always happiness in like property and ownership and how Pocahontas shows John Smith uh, the simpler life or the more natural life and to always look around you and that we're all connected into this whole universe and that grew this love of of this guy who who thought he knew everything but turned out he was naive as fuck and while well, he met Pocahontas obviously the the real story of Pocahontas is a little bit more tragic well very different she was 12 when she met John Smith so i hope there wasn't a love affair there but supposedly like the story of her throwing him or throwing her head over um, over him to, to stop him from being executed is is true. There's still a little bit of debate, but there's a there's several sources that say that's true. Um, and you know she eventually went off to England with her new husband, uh, John John Rolfe, and she died at the age of, I think twenty two. So, Great. what about your number one, Beauty and the Beast? Um, that's an Academy Award winning movie. Old as time. And I want to say out of, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I honestly became obsessed with, uh, Disney movies with, with a little mermaid. And after that, I yes. went to see, uh, Beauty and the Beast in the theater. That was the first one of the nineties that I saw. And I, it's an interesting memory. I, um, I went to see it, uh, with my, my grandmother who um, who had uh, all, 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 Alzheimer's, and my brother and my mom went to see the Adams family, the the first Adams family, um, and I just remember because you know she lived with us when I got it on video, I would rewatch it with her, and I don't know if she there was any reaction. I think when we originally saw in the theater, she kind of knew what was going on, but I hope that maybe. Something in there was, you know, remembering that. I don't know. So there you have it. These are our top Disney films Films of the 90s. Animated films of the 90s. Animated films of the 90s. I mean, one of these days, we're just going to do a top 10 of all of them. I just have to get through through all of them again. I think the last one I watched was uh, not Peter Pan. What came after Peter Pan? Uh, it might have been Peter Pan, um, which for some reason I don't remember even watching it the second time. I wonder why. Cool. And we are back. Yes, we are back. Estamos de regreso. Okay. <laughs> what does that even mean? It means we're back in Spanish. I think you said something dirty. Tell us, uh, our Spanish listeners, did Augustine say something dirty? Leave us a comment at PressPlayAR. That's PressPlayAR on Instagram. So, we're going to talk about, like, 
uh, movie locations that you can actually visit, like famous movie locations, because I've actually seen um, like a commercial, I guess watching YouTube lately where uh, I guess it's a Google commercial where you're, where people type in where was Joker filmed and then they're all dancing on the steps. On the steps, yeah. Yeah. So um, what are some famous uh, um, movie locations that we can visit ourselves? Okay, so, well, the first uh, one we can talk about is the island of Malta and Gozo. It is superly famous uh, because a lot of Game of Thrones was filmed there. Uh, Malta is heavily used as a backdrop of Game of Thrones. And, in fact, there is a uh, church or a fortress there that was filmed. Or they filmed, didn't they film, like, the famous... uh scene where Cerisi is walking through Cerise, the... Cersei. Yes, that's the one I'm talking <laughs> about, though. Where uh, Ned finds out that Joffrey is not, you know, King Baratheon's son, and he's about to confront King uh, Baratheon about it, and she says her famous line, in the Game of Thrones, you win or you die. Hmm. Um, so a lot of people flock there, and you can visit there. It's a very small island. It's actually just south of Italy, smack dab in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. Awesome. Uh, I bet you it's gorgeous. Oh, it is. It's absolutely wonderful because they also have a culture clashing from the surrounding mainland. So you have Italy on top. You have other nations on the bottom. It's a mix of, like, Muslim, Christian... Uh, Arabic culture, and you can really tell by the aesthetic of of the location. Like of the architecture and stuff like that? Uh, yeah. Awesome. Uh, one th- Another one I really want to talk about is Hatley Castle. It's in British Columbia, Canada, and it is used to, the, uh, to use the exterior of Xavier School for Gifted Youngsters in X-Men films, X-Men 2, X-Men United, X-Men The Last Stand, X-Men Apocalypse, X-Men Days of Future Past, Deadpool 1 and 2, and actually Generation X, the 90s television show. Where is that? Where is... That's where they shot the exterior. It is in British Columbia, Canada. Damn. Let's book a a trip to British Columbia. I, I I had no idea. Well, and they filmed them all in the same place. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Up to up to freaking Deadpool, which, uh, Deadpool 2, which was just a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I like the continuity of that. And honestly, um, I never would have noticed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Nepali Coast, Hawaii, which is where they film Jurassic Park, uh, Isla Nublar. In fact, the beginning of the movie where you see the helicopter descend into the helicopter pad, all that is that... Uh, uh, next to the waterfall? Yeah. All that Damn. is next to the, the... Is Nepali Coast, Hawaii. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, and we live in Miami, so we got some pretty uh, famous locations here. Um, uh, if you've ever driven down to uh, the Keys, you see the the old bridge. You kind of drive, drive along it. Um, and they filmed True Lies, uh, this this big helicopter scene Which is where the old Seven Mile Bridge, yeah, where uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is hanging out out of a helicopter, and I think Tia Carrere is up there or something trying to. Shoot I her vaguely down. remember that as a child. Yeah, yeah uh, and I I remember being like 
starstruck of a location, I guess. Uh, we have, um, they filmed, uh, Moonlight, remember? Right down the street from your old house. Yes, yes. You, you forgot about that, That's huh? right. We were watching it, and he's like, wait, that's Jan Avenue. I, I used, I lived there. Where he's picking up his friend or dropping him off, yeah. and he receives a text from his old friend. And they, they filmed another scene at Jimmy's Diner on Biscayne Boulevard. Yeah. Which like is down the street from the, us. The actual exterior and interior. And there. you have other famous movies like Scarface that filmed that huge scene in the in the beginning where they had to get that yayo, uh, and his friend got, you know, hacked with the chainsaw. Or not his friend, his his drug buddy. Yeah, they filmed. The they filmed like all the bad boys movies down here and a that, bunch of stuff at Vizcaya, right? They filmed Iron Man three in Vizcaya, um, uh, which was pretty cool. And I kind of noticed it when I was there. I'm like, this kind of looks familiar. And yeah, Iron Man three was filmed there. Um, that causeway, any Miami scene has that yeah, causeway yeah. by the, by the, by the cruises. Pretty cool. And we went to Vegas last year, and uh, everything in Vegas is filmed and everything. The, the funny thing about Las Vegas is you'll – they don't care what you film. You know what I mean? Or or using their, their hotel's name, actual name. They don't care if it's a mobster movie. The, you can do anything and use the actual names because mm-hmm. anywhere else – like I remember uh, Final Destination three that they used the roller coaster that crashed. They had to they found a roller coaster, but they were not allowed to say where that roller coaster was, and they had to change the name. Oh. If that was in Vegas, they would have been like, "Eh, it'll bring tourists in to ride the death death roller coaster." So they should have just gone to Vegas. Um, and I remember the my a one big starstruck when I was a kid when I went to California with with my parents. Uh, seeing one of the buildings that was blown up. It was like uh, in Independence Day. Yes. The one that's shaped like a star on the top. Yes. And the 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 stupid girl that, that thought, oh, I'm going to bring a sign to the aliens. They come, we peace. come in peace or something. And then she's looking up at the blue light. So pretty. And then she gets blown. <laughs> blown Spoiler apart. alert. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was like just seeing that building uh, – Starstruck for a building, I guess. I yep. don't know. Uh, Philadelphia Museum of Art in Philadelphia. It is where they filmed that famous scene. You know what scene I'm talking about? I where... don't think I've actually ever seen Philadelphia. I mean, the movie. The movie Philadelphia. No. I meant they filmed Rocky there, and I was trying for you to guess. Oh, did you say Rocky? No, I said Philadelphia Museum of Art from Philadelphia is where they filmed this famous scene. Oh, movie. you wanted me to guess the movie. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, no, I've never seen Philadelphia. Okay, so yeah, that's where that they filmed the steps. Very cool. Uh, another, uh, well, I think they took it out now, but I remember as a kid they... Um, they, they had, like, a backlot tour at MGM, or what used to be MGM, Universal, or um, Hollywood Studios now, where you could see the exteriors of the Golden Girl house and the Empty Nest house. Mm. And then I remember, you know, fantasizing about, like, sneaking off the, the little trolley and... 
going in in the houses and waiting for the the cast to show up (laughs) but that's obviously not where they shot the show so it was probably nothing in there so i know better now yeah i thought as a young kid the interior was the as it would be in real life yeah i didn't know that it was shot you know the exterior was shot but it was a different type of uh, structure inside. In fact, the castle that they film X Men is nothing yeah. like what you see in the movie. I think yeah. it's an it's an actual school, but it's diff completely different. Yeah. All right. Very cool. And uh, it, since we're on that particular subject, uh, just before we transition into something else, yeah, I remember the creator of Full House. Um. Just just last year, he he decided to buy the actual exterior house that they used for Full House, mm-hmm. and he was going to renovate. I haven't heard anything about it oh, since. Oh yeah, I think you told me about. But that. But he was going to renovate the interior. That guy's that guy's a little crazy. I mean, ultimately, he he's had issues. He actually got fired from Fuller House because of you know. Because of what? Uh, sexual harassment. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. So, what are some movies and music that are out this coming week? Uh, well, new movies that are coming out on Blu-ray this week. Uh, a movie that we both made our top ten list. Can you guess what it is? Uh, Midsummer. That came out a while ago. Knives Out. <laughs> I was just messing with you. Uh, Woo! Knives Out. You want to buy it? Not really. I mean, unless you want to. I mean, we can always wait until it's cheap on Black Friday. Uh, Frozen 2, which I definitely want to rent from Redbox, but you have to finish watching Frozen. And uh, Norm North. Don't, don't, nah, me. You'll like it. Um, New music out. Uh, James Taylor has a new album called American Standard. Five Finger Punch has a new album called Five Eight and Soccer Mommy has a new album called Where Did It Go? It's not called Where Did It Go? No, he just lost it in his page. Uh Color Theory. Oh, I like that the title, Color Theory. And uh mentioning new music, uh Alanis Morissette. Oh my god, thank you. <laughs> Finally I totally forgot about that. May 1st, go on, she's she's yours, I know. So Alanis Morissette uh, announced in December that, you know, she was releasing a new album, here's the title, All the Forks in the Road, and uh, here's the first single, which was... All the Pretty Forks in the Road. No, all the... Uh, oh, shoot. It's called Such Pretty Forks in the Road. Wow. Sorry, Alanis. Yeah, sh- uh, she'll be all right. Um... And here's the first single, which was Reasons Reasons I Drink. Now, and then she's like, oh yeah, May 1st. And she's announcing this in December, which is five months away. And I'm like... Which is not normal for no, records? No, I would okay. say you finish a record, you announce it, and like at most three. Okay. And, and I said to myself, that album isn't done. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I, I know Alanis, and she was, you know, she was in her last trimester. She hadn't had her baby yet. I knew she wasn't finished with the album, but she had she did have them all recorded, and uh, I, it's not that I was nervous that it was going to get pushed back, uh, but I was I was keeping my uh, my expectations lowish. So finally, she, like a couple weeks ago, she posted a picture mixing the album, 
And Ooh. I'm like, okay, that's a, that's a fantastic sign. I knew it wasn't done. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying. Yeah. But and then she she released the album art, uh, which uh, no one was expecting. This I wasn't. This I... it's it's her face with stars on it, like the solar system on it. Yeah. Which yeah. is. It's, I think it's gorgeous. It uh, got it set me back to be honest. Oh no, it did did me but as then well. I, I really I really dig the album cover. I like that she's that she's taking this chance because the album cover for Havoc and Bright Lights I think was her worst album cover. It was just very generic. Her standing in front of uh, of um, dandelions. Yeah. Uh, and this one she's taking a chance with and the 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 theme of the album and the cover for uh the single uh reasons i drink had also had stars coming down so and then she also or she didn't say it but uh we kind of knew knew through the grapevine uh that a new single was going to be coming out this past Friday called Smiling, which I had actually heard before, but not Alanis's version. It's in, it's in the new Jagged Little Pill Broadway um, place. So I, I I I knew the song and I knew it was going to be on the yeah. album because one of the lyrics is uh, "Such pretty forks in the road," mm. um, and that's one of Alanis's shticks where. Uh, one of one of her, one of the song's lyrics is always the title of the album, uh, every time. Um, so I knew that that song was going to be on it, and it, and and out of the three or four new songs in the Broadway show, that's the only one that made it to the new album. Uh, Eleven tracks, and I'm you know waiting patiently to hear uh, the new single, Smiling, and, and as a as a huge Alanis Morissette fan that I know that you are, do you, do you like what you're hearing? And I, I really like it. Um, it's not as ballady as, uh, as the Broadway version. It has more of a up-tempo hook, which is why I chose not to listen to the Broadway to the version. One. Yeah. Uh, and wait for her original song to come out to listen to it. I like it a lot. Uh, it's, it reminds me a little bit of um, of her song "Tapes" from uh, her one of my favorite post Jagged Little Pill albums, or it is my favorite, uh, "Flavors of Entanglement," which came out in two thousand eight. But uh, I like this song a lot better than "Tapes." Um, I'm gonna be honest; I like the first single a little better. I, I like the piano driven. Uh, the piano drivenness I don't know how to say that of the first single mm-hmm. but I, I'm digging this song and I hope that you know that she releases music videos I don't know if, if she will but I hope she does um, and she'll probably release one more song before the album is finally released in May and then we're seeing her in June yay June 18th we are so excited and we cannot wait to check her out and who else is there uh, Liz Fair and Garbage Awesome. Um, yeah, I'm down. I'm down to see see them. It's where I, I've seen a few concerts there, West Palm Beach Amphitheater. So I'm super excited about it. And it's also I didn't realize when we bought the tickets, but it's also the weekend of your birthday. Woo-hoo! So uh, it'll be a fun weekend. We'll probably end up going to Orlando or something afterwards. Yeah, I think we are. 
Awesome. That's our life. Um, stay tuned for more more reviews uh, as they come. Uh, I'm I'm excited about everything that's coming out. Yeah, me too. So, you want to play Six Degrees of Separation? Absolutely. I'm going to choose Catherine Zeta-Jones and the friendliest man we've ever met at a con, Henry Winkler. <gasps> I love Henry Winkler. He's so cool. Um, uh, well, you know Henry Winkler was in Scream, and I always end up going back to the Scream films. <laughs> so how can I get to from Scream to Catherine Zeta-Jones? Okay, uh, all right, let me start with Henry Winkler. Okay. Henry Winkler was in Scream with... Let's go with Courtney Cox this time. Courtney Cox was in Scream 4. Okay. Uh, Courtney Cox was in Scream 4 uh, with Emma Roberts. Uh, Emma Roberts uh, starred in... I remember seeing it Valentine's Day with her real-life... Um, and Julia Roberts. Uh, Julia Roberts was in Pretty Woman, of course, with Richard Gere. Um, and Richard Gere was in Chicago with Catherine Zeta-Jones. That's pretty cool. Gracias. And our fact of the week is, and this is a perfect one with what we talked about at the top of our show uh, this week, is the Oscar... Uh, Oscar winners used to be announced before the ceremony. During the early years of the Academy Awards, the organization provided newspaper with the name in advance with an agreement that they would not publish the names until 11 p.m. Of course, then someone had to ruin it for everyone when the Los Angeles Times broke the rule during the, 19, during the heated 1940 competition announcing that Gone with the Wind had won before the statue had even wow. been handed out. Wow. It led to a rule change that stands today. And for more tri- trivia, you can stay tuned <laughs> to hear the press play because I was not reading it off the Internet. I know this from the top of my head. <laughs> and that's the fact of the week. And you can do whatever you want with it because it really isn't mine. It belongs to Alanis and all the forks in the road, all the pretty forks in the road. We have come to the end of this episode and we thank you so much for pressing play. So don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to your podcast and follow us on Instagram at PressPlayAR. That's PressPlayAR on Instagram. This has been another episode of Press Play with Augie and Riz. I'm Augie. Hey, and I'm Riz. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening.